Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The day after, like, it felt like someone died. Oh, it did. Know? Just everyone, like, you were like, hey, man, how you doing? You know, like, <laughs> it, it really was. I, I mean, it. Y'all doing okay? If you like, read, yeah. like, the stuff we wrote on the site, like, it's just, I mean, it hurts. Like, it's just, it, it, it's an open wound. And, and it really does not close until 2019. Like, it starts to heal when they, when they get Orgeron, but 2019 is, I mean, that's a long time to be obsessing over one fucking football game. These are the tales of college football past as you've never heard them before. Our guests tell stories blending team seasons, on and off field moments, memories of personal fandom catastrophe and elation, and yes, alcohol. I'm Jeremy. I'm Matt. I'm Joe. And I'm Kyle. We do the work, you tell the story. These are the college football stories. I'm Stephen Baker. I write under the name Poser. I'm Zachary Janda. I have no alias. And we're here to tell you the story of the 2011 LSU Tigers. Uh, the greatest college football team of all time to not win the national championship. Is there any, any doubt in your mind about that, Poser? A little bit of a doubt, but they're definitely the most accomplished. How about that? Fair. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, Let's at least back up to where the program was before the season started. Uh, Les Miles uh, did win a national championship in 2007, but clearly that was done with Nick Saban's players, so that didn't count. Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then 2008 and 2009 were not the best years. The program was still good, uh, but they lost uh, that one against Ole Miss. Uh, everyone remembers the weird timeout, and that's where the Les Miles can't manage the clock started. Um, there's also the miracle at Markham, too. I appreciate that Arkansas calls all their wins over LSU miracles, because I agree. Uh, <laughs> but definitely the program was on a down note. And then came 2010. And LSU ran out the gate. They won 10 games for the first time since the championship year. And uh, they just steamrolled A&M in the Cotton Bowl. And this seemed like a team that was really poised for big things. They were returning almost everybody except Patrick Peterson, who is still the greatest defensive back in LSU history. And that's Might a pretty, pretty stiff competition. And 
then the the off season happened. Oh, it happened. Um, the 2011 team is special in my heart because that was my first year at LSU, my first year as a member in LSU's band, Golden Bay from Tigerland. Um, I remember on the Thursday or Friday of that week, uh, band camp was always the week before classes started. And there was this tradition that obviously had to have started before I was in band and continued after I, I graduated where uh, where the, the head coach uh, started with Saban, or maybe not started with Saban, I don't know, but, but Les Miles would come and talk to Tiger Band because you know, LSU and LSU band have a really good relationship with LSU bands at every football game, no matter how far some kind of contingency of the LSU band is there. Uh, Les couldn't come out one night, and this is 2011, so Twitter hasn't really become what it is now, but the message boards were out there. Tiger drop, baby. <laughs> and, and like, there's this muttering some, I don't remember who actually came out to speak to us, but someone that wasn't Les Miles came out and was like, yeah, uh, Coach can't come out to talk tonight, and he's got some stuff to attend to. And we already knew what was going on. We're like, it's a fight. And it was like, Jordan, Jordan Jefferson's in jail. And, and some, some no-name scrub. I think his name is Josh Johns. No offense to Josh Johns. But uh, we're like... Oh my God! The season starts in two weeks. Our quarterback's in jail. What are we gonna do? Um, because we were still scarred from, and, and, it's, and it's not as well. I guess it is as fault because he threw the ball. But that 2008 year, the infamous Jared Lee season, uh, where Jared Lee 16, Jared Lee set the NCAA record for most pick sixes, in 16 interceptions, seven return for touchdowns. Yeah, including the game against Alabama where LSU had Alabama on the ropes and Jarrett Lee threw four interceptions in that game, including one late uh, that allowed Alabama to get it to overtime and then escape with a victory. And that was and that, a big gut punch. That was uh, Saban's first year back in Baton Rouge, I believe. Um, and because I'm sure you remember the, the summer of 2011, we were con- or, LSU fans, readers, students, we were convinced, hey, because this was back when the BCS would rotate every four years. Hey, this year's in New Orleans. This is our year. We always go to New Orleans. 2003, and win 2007, 2011. We're going like, to hey, run the table and win the championship. It's our year. And, this is how it works. And, and then it's like, what do you mean our quarterback's in jail? And, and the story was at the time that he had beaten up a Marine Oh, I remember that. <laughs> and it not was just, like, not he, just, he like left him in a coma or something like that. The story was ridiculous at the time. Not just beaten up, but stomped on him, like stomped his head because they, yeah, they investigated yeah, his that. shoes. What turned out is that the guy was basically fighting his girlfriend and they were having, they were pushing, shoving and someone, Jefferson wasn't even there. And like somebody called Jefferson to the bar and he showed up and then got in a shoving match with him and they exchanged punches but it was sort of like a bar fight where no one's hurt and that was it and he got a misdemeanor and if it literally was any other student no one would have cared and it wouldn't have become a thing but this became a thing and he was he wasn't kicked off the team but he was suspended i think yeah that sounds right 
Um, suspended. He was suspended uh, off he, the team, and this is the infamous team vote. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> where event, you know, he had to basically. This actually dates back to Nick Saban. If a player has been uh, disciplined and kicked off the team, or you know, and who hasn't been allowed to play, after they do all of their whatever they have to do to make it, you know, make their way back, you know, show that you're doing okay. They then, the last step was you had to go and you had to apologize to the team and the team would then vote you back on. It's kind of a formality because of course the team's going to say yes. But this was once again, the message board era and it just became like this massive team vote thing. Like the only reason he's back on is because, and it was this really blown up incident for something that was actually kind of small, but what it meant for LSU was we didn't have our starting quarterback and we were going to have to go back to Jarrett Lee, who was an infamous interception machine. And not only that, not only was the season like two weeks away, they were opening on a neutral field against a number three ranked Oregon team that was just off an appearance in the national championship game. This was no gimme. Um, This was before, uh, I mean, yeah, they were all fresh off the loss to uh, Auburn in the national championship game, but this was like that that game, and I wasn't right for the site yet at the time. But the Oregon game felt like if we can get through this, we're golden. We're going to get to New Orleans, and then you eliminate your starting quarterback, and you're like, what do we do? Well, also, it wasn't quite that because remember the first three games, LSU in their first four games, they were going to play three ranked teams. Yeah. And Oregon, of course, was the biggest one because they were top five and they were talking that there's no way that LSU can handle Oregon speed. They've never seen anything like Oregon speed. Like LSU does not have a nationally ranked track program. Like, kind of fast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like sprinting is sort of LSU specialty. And look, Oregon is a great track program too. I I mean, that's Nike. But for – Oregon to be talking that LSU is not going to be able to handle Oregon's speed was really weird, but it was definitely a thing. That's what people were talking about, that, you know, LSU plays at this glacial pace, and they're this, you know, a smash mouth throwback to the 50s, and they don't know how to play in the modern game, and Oregon's just going to sprint up and down the field on them, and they're going to get blown off the field. I mean, that was the talk nationally before that game. It, it was – I don't – I don't know who the favorite was, but I'm pretty sure Oregon went into that game favored. Of course, I picked LSU on a, on game day. Yeah, of course, I love us. So, yeah, of yeah. course, Corso picked us. But he likes the Ducks too. He likes the big head. And it was the track meet that everyone promised, but it went the other way. Yeah, and only the, only one team was running. The famous moment is that the LSU defensive linemen were in their stances before the the Oregon team lined up and they were banging on the field and like yeah. motioning the quarterback to hurry up. Yeah. There's a there's a play uh where Barkevis Mingo chases in, in, in a three-point stance. He's not a st- he he could play stand-up linebacker. He put his hand in the dirt, but he was down his defensive end. He chased down LaMichael James and her what's interesting Poser, uh, I'm doing the Wednesday Wayback stuff that we like to do. So I'm actually listening to the broadcast back because I was in band, so I wasn't actually uh, watching the game on TV. Herbstreit loses his mind when Mingo chases down with Michael James. And it sounds like Herbstreit, this is the greatest play I've ever seen. Well, um, Michael James was a preseason Heisman pick. Yeah. He yeah. Was, I mean, he was mm-hmm. big time. And at that point, 
Barkevius Mingo was just famous for having the coolest name in college football. Yeah. Which yeah. it still is. It's the greatest yeah, name. And he was just kind of one of those tweeners that you, you never get the respect when you're that outside linebacker slash defensive end type. It, his game didn't quite translate to the NFL, but in college he was. He was the base. He was I unbelievable. Mean, he was great. And yeah, and so there was just this thing, like not only could we run with them at the wide receiver and the cornerback position, but we could run with them. Our defensive linemen were keeping up with them. And it was just something that no one expected. It was, that game was over in the third third quarter. Um, I I think LSU went up by like two touchdowns early in the fourth, and basically they were just killing clock for the fourth quarter. It. Oregon, I think, scored a touchdown with like a minute left to make the score look close. Yeah, but that was a three-score yeah. win. I, I mean, LSU just crushed Oregon. Well, actually, you know, watching it back, it wasn't as lopsided as I remember it. Now, maybe it's just because LSU had a slow start in the first half. Because um, Oregon was actually on on the famous Tyron Matthew play where he kind of put his name out for the whole world to see uh, with the with the strip fumble touchdown on the punt. Uh, Oregon's winning the game. It, now it's 6-3, and the second quarter just started. But uh, Oregon did, like, a lot of stupid shit in that game. Like, they got called for, like, two different, like, leg whip penalties. And I didn't – Well, yeah, like, this I, is, yeah, I remember that now. And uh, and what I just – what I love, um, watching that def- – especially the defense back, it, it's – I know probably statistically there's better defenses in college football history, but that – that eleven defense, it is some bad asses on that team. Sonic Sam and Barkevius Mingo on the two ends. I, I think they combined for something close to twenty sacks. Yeah, ne- neither of them had ten. I know that. So I think they each had nine, eight, something like that. Um, but they were like between Sounds them, right. they probably had about seventeen, eighteen sacks, and they just terrorized people. Sam Montgomery is another guy who was just unbelievable in college. And if you're an NFL guy, you've never heard of him because he just it, flamed out. Sad. I can't believe they but out. those two in the ends, and, and like that wasn't even like the star of the defense because, yeah, they lost Patrick Peterson. Uh, the 2010 secondary was better, but the 2011 uh, secondary was unbelievably great. You had Mo Claiborne, who would – Thorpe Award winner. Win the Thorpe Award. Teran Matthew, who is the most impactful defensive player of the past 20 years, who's not named Indomitian Sue. <laughs> and he won the uh, um, the Benaric yeah. Award yeah. for uh, the Defensive Player of the Year. You had Eric Reed, who just First incredible safety. And my personal favorite, as I like to recall, call him, the responsible adult Brandon Taylor, who kind of held everything together. 2010 also had Patrick Peterson, so it was even better. I think there were NFL secondaries that weren't as good as LSU secondary in 2010. Yeah. But hey, that's 2011. Dallas Cowboys, would you trade up for any of those players? At that time, I would have. <laughs> like, look, look Mo Claiborne, Claiborne actually did play for the Cowboys, and they misused him terribly. Um, but that team was just so loaded at the secondary position. And, like, there had been talk of DBU before. Like, there had been some really good secondary players. LeBron Landry is kind of a famous guy. You go back to the 70s, Tommy Casanova. Um, you had the, the Soul Patrol, which is one of the best unit nicknames of all time. But that 2010-2011 unit, that's really where LSU made its mark as DBU. 
that's that's peak debut. There, there's this great uh, moment in the in the broadcast where it cuts from Claiborne, Reed, Matthew, Taylor, and even uh, got a shout out our guy Theral Simon, the King of Eunice, uh, self proclaimed King of Eunice. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, it and what's crazy. Also watching that game back, I, I I yelled when I saw it just to see how far football has evolved in not that long a time. But so there was one play on offense where LSU motioned then freshman Odell Beckham Jr. to be the second tight end on a toss dive play, and I'm like, what the hell were we thinking back then? Yeah, and also if you think about it, LSU didn't have any receivers on that team. You had Reuben Randall, yeah. who was a, a stud. And you had Beckham, who was a freshman, who was, you know, and then um, D'Angelo Peterson played tight end. He was probably, I think, bigger tight end. But I'm trying to think of the other, uh, what's, uh, Jarvis Landry didn't play because he was in trouble. Not really, no. He also had off-field trouble. So Jarvis Landry and Beckham, who later would become probably the best duo in LSU history, well, until 2019, they just... They had one guy, and so you only have two receivers, basically, and you're moving one of them to the tight end slot. What are you doing? And he's, like, listed at, like, 5'10", 180 pounds, and you're like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, um, he, no, in, instead, LSU relied on a really, a, I don't know if it, it's not the greatest, but a really cool quartet of running backs of Spencer Ware, Spencer baby. Ware uh, Michael Ford, Alfred oh, my Blue, my boy Blue. Michael Ford. My my and, wife uh, loves Michael Ford. She would leave me today still for Michael Ford. <laughs> so if you're out there, Michael, <laughs> Posette's waiting for your call. And, and later on in the year, uh, a young Kenny Hilliard would emerge. And also my favorite player on that team, even though he didn't play a whole bunch, fullback James Stampley. That's right, yeah. Uh, he um, was famous for smashing up face masks. But uh, James Stampley was famous in practice. He would hit so hard he would always ruin his face mask. So they had to keep changing his face mask. And he was a walk-on who eventually got a scholarship. And, yeah, I love fullback. So Stampley was – he was all LSU. Like, he's, like, the guy who symbolized the 2011 team for me. I mean, it's, it's easy to like stars, and I get it. But for me, it's always kind of the program guys, which is why I love Brandon Taylor so much. He was the guy who allowed Taran Matthew to run wild because Brandon Taylor was always in position. So Matthew could freelance and be anywhere on the field, and it didn't leave a hole open for the other team to exploit because Brandon Taylor was always there. It, it was freakish. And going off Matthew was just running around looking for the guy with weed. Hey, hey can't blame a guy. I'm on a team. <laughs> going, off, going off the freelancing thing, Poser, I've, I've never seen anything like Matthew's year. He's always in the right spot, always found the ball, and just – turned it over at just an ungodly rate. And, and it still translates to this day. He's doing it for the Chiefs, did it for uh, Arizona, did it for that one year, that weird year of the Texans. I, I've never seen anything like it. I think it's I think it's what inspired Connolly to invent his whole chaos rating. Um, yeah. Terrence Matthew just was pure chaos in one player. He's this little guy, and it took a while to find his nickname. Honey Badger was perfect. And then um, LSU filed cease and desist letters to uh, um, anyone who tried to sell merchandise about it. So I've always called him nickname redacted on the site. Um, but he was just such a bundle. Of, he was a game changer at defensive back. Uh, 
almost every game LSU played that season, Matthew made one, two, sometimes three game-breaking plays. Like you, you said, in the Oregon game, he made that strip. I mean, obviously, and we'll get to it at the end, the SEC championship, he returns the punt, for the cha- uh, which turns the game around. The West Virginia game, yep. he came out and made a huge play when that thing was kind of get, going bad. Matthew, if you look at the numbers and compare him to when a Woodson won the Heisman, Matthew was a more impactful player than Woodson, and that's not an insult to Woodson. Like, Matthew should have won the Heisman that year. He yeah. was that good. Yeah. Um, so Northwestern State. I yeah, mean, it happened. how <laughs> did you feel about that game going into the second game of the season? <laughs> we tend to play local teams. So it's like the give back to Louisiana. So we played Northwestern State that year, and we beat them really badly. I don't remember anything <laughs> about it. <laughs> That was, was, that, that was your first Did you pay for it? Is that are you that kind of guy that will pay for it? I'm a DJ. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I, I totally watched the game. Don't don't even yeah. ask that. Um, now, Zach, since you were in the band, was that your first Tiger Stadium? First Tiger Stadium game, yeah. Uh, I didn't get. I was a pregame alternate. I didn't get. I didn't get onto the field for pregame until uh, the Auburn game. But yeah, my first March is Tiger Stadium. Uh, all that good stuff. I, I, that's uh, that was also not to get all. Uh, Morose, but that was a uh, ten-year anniversary of nine eleven, and uh, band Elshie band did the uh, uh, the Amazing Grace thing that they did uh, yes. the week. Was it the week yes. after nine eleven that they did that? Uh, was it September eighteenth, two thousand one? But I think it was they September twenty fifth. They had to wait two weeks to do it. Two weeks, okay. Uh, but they they redid that show, uh, and that, that was a, that was a really chilling moment. And also, like LSU, we we take our band seriously. It's Almost everything at LSU that's a tradition dates back to Huey Long. And Huey Long, he's essentially the author of Tiger Band. He wrote one of our fight songs. Yeah. Yep. And so before him, we were a military band. And then after he got assassinated, they went back to a military band and the fans revolted and they went back to the Tiger Band, you know, back to the Tiger Band. So like everything they do now, there is some element of Huey Long out there just like everything in Louisiana. So it's just, it's kind of a nice traditional touch to, but you know, it, it connects the program back to the ages to, you know, your daddy's daddy's daddy. Buzzer, can I confess something? Speaking of Uh-oh. band, um, I didn't watch the West Virginia game when it happens. I instead, oh, uh, I instead went with my girlfriend at the time to go see, the Lion King when it was re-released in theaters, I think in 3D, and that's one of the biggest regrets of my life. I missed the 2010 Alabama <laughs> game to go to ACL, so I, I saw, you know, um, I saw the Black Keys. So, yeah. so I don't really have any memories of the West Virginia game, other than I know that we won. Uh, uh, we didn't ahead because we played the Mississippi State game first. And yeah, and it was a, it was a, it was a weird ass Thursday night game too. Yeah, and that was a um, haymaker game. Like, really just a slugfest where no one can move the football. And just a – it, it kind of is the, the thing that would it, – it's the thing that presages the 9-6 game. Uh, just a football game where territory was at a premium, an ugly football game that you had to be a fan to like. Just it was an ugly, It was an ugly, bad game, I remember. But it was comfortable. Like, we beat Mississippi State. That's what we do. 
the biggest bunch of bullshit around that game was it was a Thursday night, and then the next night we still had band practice. Like, fuck this. Because I remember seeing, I I didn't go to that game, but I just remember they're like, yeah, we're still practicing because they got back at like 3.15. It was like, all right, let's go to practice now. I was like, fuck. There's no way they were going to spend the night in Starkville. Like, you play and you get the hell out of there. Because there was nothing to do in Starkville. <laughs> nothing but trouble. No, there's not even trouble. That's how much it sucks. <laughs> there is nothing to do in Starkville. It is the worst. Like, almost every SEC road game is fun. Like, even if, you know, they attack you, they're meany and stuff. Like, I'll even say nice things about Auburn, and I hate Auburn. But Starkville, just a waste of time. It is the worst place to watch a game in that high school stadium and play that bad team. Yeah, Thursday night, get the heck, be back by Friday, go to class, whatever. That game doesn't count. It's a state. <laughs> and then, you know, what's funny, LSU, after they, you know, they not struggled, but ugly first half against Oregon, eventually kind of put them away. Uh, Northwestern State, eh, who cares? Mississippi State, weird, gave us fits. Then the yeah. calendar flipped to Auburn, or flipped to October. And then well, LSU just started beating the piss out of people. The the West Virginia game, even though I think it's the game that flipped thing, and that's still September, because that's the end of the three-ranked team run, that game was closer than people remember. Yeah. And I think, if memory serves, that was the first game where West Virginia was allowed to sell alcohol in their stadium. Oh, boy. And, like, LSU and West Virginia fans, who Let's are go. probably the two most insane fan bases in existence, just drained that stadium dry. And that was another one of those games that was really back and forth early. You were kind of nervous about what was going on. And then suddenly, it was like this – I can't remember if it was the second or the third quarter, but once again, Matthew made a big play. Uh, Jarrett Lee had a big touchdown uh, pass. And then all of a sudden, just everything opened up, and it became this laugher of a game. But while I think the Oregon score was clo- closer than the game indicated, the West Virginia game was a bigger gap than it indicated. Like, that game was more tense than I, than I remember. I remember that being, like, oh, kind of having a butt pucker in the second quarter of that game. And, but when it exploded, it exploded. Yeah. And then comes October, and I don't remember the exact order, but they played in a – Strand of three straight games: Kentucky, Auburn, Florida, and just fuck, the Auburn game. That eleven Auburn game means I, I've never seen them until actually ever. I've never seen the national defending champion just get throttled like that. The uh, the Florida the game is game. famous for the Brad Wing touchdown. Brad Wink was the first player to have a touchdown taken off the board for celebrating before a touchdown. So he had stuck out his arms at the five-yard line. It's the come-at-me-mate touchdown. Brad Wing, our punter, had a (laughs) touchdown taken off the board for taunting Florida. And that is the greatest thing that happened in 2011. (laughs) Don't let 
anyone tell you differently. The second best thing is in the same game, the CBS cameras caught Brad Wing flirting with fans in the crowd <laughs> and had to cut away. Like he looked up and realized it was on TV and had to <laughs> run away real quick. Brad Wing <laughs> is the greatest punter who has ever existed. I love that man to death. <laughs> it's a shame that he was not... Was he even I know he didn't win the guy wrongly didn't win the Ray Guy Award. Was he a finalist? Because it's absurd that he wasn't the winner. Well, because like, I think those awards they have to have like the preseason lists and stuff, and he wasn't on it. Like Brad Wing wasn't on any of those preseason lists, so I think the Ray Guy people didn't even. He wasn't even a semifinalist, I don't think. And that was the year where, until the championship game, other teams had you could measure their return yardage in footage instead of yards. Yeah. Like, Brad Wing is the greatest directional punter I have ever seen. And I know you guys weren't expecting punter talk, but he that was the secret weapon of the team. LSU had a better offense than you remember in 2011. They had a great defense. But their special teams was all-time great. That is the greatest special teams unit I have ever seen. And if you remember, Wes Miles was known for special teams. Mm-hmm. And my brother went to Virginia Tech. So I've seen a lot of Virginia Tech games, and they're famous for special teams. It was nothing compared to that 2011 team. Brad Wing would flip field position when you needed it. He would boot a 70-yarder if you needed it. If you needed a punt that went 35 yards and would go out of bounds at the five, he would do it. <laughs> it was unbelievable the control he had as a punter and he would flip field and control the game it it was definitely lsu secret weapon because at the end of the day who prepares for a punter is there anything that brad wing can't do um go to class (laughs) you cannot go to class (laughs) lsu has classes yeah, um, football is a major. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I was just looking it up, and uh, I'm pretty sure no one actually votes on the best punter. It's just chosen by which cow poops in which square. Well, they pooped in the wrong square, because I don't know who won it. But <laughs> Ray, the Ray Guy Award, and Ray Guy, great punter, Georgia, SEC, we'll, we'll, we'll represent. But... It's so weird to watch a football game and be like, oh, my God, honey, I have to watch the guy punt. Like, that's not something you're used to saying. And it's never happened again. It'll, it didn't happen before. It was a one-year crazy thing. And it really was. It, it, it'll come up when we get to the Alabama game. I think he was the MVP of the Bama game. So if he picked up one of those girls in the crowd, would he have outkicked his coverage? No, no, he he had no coverage. He he could not outkick it. Well, he, he outran coverage and just taunted everybody on the goal line. But I mean, God, he had a touchdown. To, the punter had swag. That's oh, I'm so proud of him when he got that when he got that penalty. And we still won that game by like thirty points. Yeah. After that game, after the Florida game, he would get when they would introduce the starters prior to kickoff. I've, I've never heard a punter get like. And at punter, number three, Brad Wing. Tiger Sam just goes insane for Brad Wing. Yeah, uh, like, it was, it, it was completely, it was just the way, and it's about the Tennessee game, and that's when the team was rolling. I, I mean, we, we crushed Tennessee, we beat Kentucky, we beat Florida, we beat Auburn, and none of these games were close. They were just laughers the whole way through, and 
10 years later, I can't remember many details about any of the games because they were such blowouts. I mean, mm-hmm. the Auburn game was as intense as the Northwestern State game. I mean, it was that much of a blowout. And you have this entire run, and then all of a sudden, Jordan Jefferson is allowed back on the team. And By that, God, that's Jordan Jefferson's music. It's his the, music! The tribe is spoken. <laughs> and Jarrett Lee, who, at before the season started, not one person in town wanted Jarrett Lee anywhere near the quarterback position. And don't let anyone tell you differently. Jarrett Lee got death threats because he had thrown so many interceptions. He was the most hated LSU quarterback since Jamie Howard. If you want to do a way back in 1994, the Auburn game, six turnovers, that sucked. Um, but Jarrett Lee was having this magical year. And he wasn't great, but he didn't have to be because that defense was so good and he could hand it to any running back he wanted. Like, just turn around and there was an NFL running back there. But then Jordan Jefferson came back and all of a sudden, for some reason, there was a quarterback controversy. And I think it was the Tennessee game where Jordan Jefferson came into the game with the ball in the one-yard line and he – did a sneak into the end zone and the LSU crowd booed him because that was Jarrett Lee's touchdown. And (laughs) it was not a good moment for LSU because this is where, if you aren't an LSU fan and you probably don't remember, Jarrett Lee's a white guy and Jordan Jefferson's a black guy. And it was clear that this had some serious racial overtones that Jordan Jefferson is the thuggish guy who doesn't respect authority and he can't throw the ball. He's just athletic. And Jarrett Lee is the buttoned up guy who can just plays within the system. And it was literally every racial stereotype colliding into each other. And then it kind of came to a head of the Alabama game. Yeah, uh, so Lee, actually, before we dive into Alabama, uh, just to give you guys an idea about how bad quarterback play had been at LSU for 10 years, the Oregon game, Lee was like 9 of 20 for 90 yards, and LSU fans were like, that's perfect. That's exactly what we need, and we're good. Complete less than half your pass. Complete maybe half your passes. Don't turn it over. We're good. Uh Lee gets the start against Alabama, and the demons flare up again. He, he has throws. one good drive. If you remember, he starts the game with a pretty good drive. He, I think he goes like two or three, two or four. Gets like two completions for about 30 or 40 yards. They have to punt, but, you know, you're like, okay, well, it was a good drive to start it off. He falls to Brad Wang. And then <laughs> the rest of the game happened. And for the rest of the game... Jarrett Jarrett Lee would complete more passes to Alabama than he would to LSU receivers. (laughs) And and suddenly Les Miles is like, ah, no, we're not about to do this. Yeah, there's no way. I'm not going to let Jarrett Lee lose this game. Uh, Bamani Jones had a great uh, video where he's like, Jordan, all is forgiven, son. Get back in there. (laughs) (laughs) It really was because Jarrett – and this is when the myth of Alabama blew the game comes in there where Alabama's like, oh, we just missed a couple of field goals. Yeah, Alabama missed a couple of field goals of 50-plus yards three times, all right? 
it wasn't like they came in there for 30 yard chip shots. They were trying to kick it half the field and Alabama didn't have a great kicker at the time, but even if you have a great kicker expecting to hit a 50 yard field goal is not good game management. That's, that's a prayer. I, I mean, even in today's game, you don't have reliable 50 yard kickers unless you're in the NFL. And so basically the game kind of went, Alabama would move the football a little bit, give the ball to LSU. If Jerry Lee early on would have the ball, he would move the ball and then throw a pick. If it was Jordan Jefferson, it just went nowhere. And it became <laughs> this, it was World War One. Like just, they, they got in their trenches and they killed each other for four years. It just was one of, if, I'm sure if you were not a fan of either team, it was the ugliest football game you've ever seen. If you were a fan of either team, it was the most tense game you could imagine because every play mattered. Yeah. But what, going into that game, did, who did you think was going to win? Do you remember? I mean, I was all in on LSU. I, 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 but I wasn't confident. Yeah. The, I mean, is it, this is. Be- this is before like Alabama had really like become what Alabama is now. You know, it should be in the previous year. You know, we're running, we, running yeah, the D- one game. Winter. D'Angelo Peterson run in 2010 um, is one of the legendary plays of LSU football. Yeah, where they called um, a, um, an end round tight end, tight end on fourth and yeah. one and scored a yeah. touchdown. Like that was, I mean, that's where Les Miles. That was kind of the the wild card. Like Nick Saban was a good coach, and you know he he played it by the book, and he knew what he was doing. But Les Miles is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the Michael Key thing. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so you kind of felt you had this wild card. And when Eric Reed stole the football, I was like, there's no way we're losing this game. That was the moment for me. Um, Alabama threw the ball down to the five-yard line. I don't remember the receiver, but he caught the ball. And Eric Reed just took it from the receiver. He was Marquise Mays, I think. Oh, my God. Marquise Mays. That's a throwback name. And you expected Teran Matthew to make plays like that. But when Eric Reed, who was a great player, but when Eric Reed was making strip fumbles and then recovering it himself, you were just like, this is our night. It just felt special. If, if things had ended up differently and LSU finishes the job and wins the championship, the Reed play might be the play in LSU football history. Yeah, Billy Cannon will always be Billy Cannon. I don't, I don't think you're ever going to top that play because it's black and white and mm-hmm. they mess up the audio so you can't hear the call and the crowd's louder. I mean, there's something about old-timey football kind of thing. But yeah, the Eric Reed play, if they win the title, it's right up there with Billy Cannon. It's on the Mount Rushmore, yeah. Um, and I think, Poser, I think after the Eric Reed play, the, the drive, I think, is that the same driver wing has the 75-yard punt? Exactly. So you're making fun of Brad Wing, but then Brad Wing has a 70-yard punt from his own end zone to flip field position. Brad and, Wing, again, changed the football game. Because if they don't have that punt, Alabama gets the ball back at like the 30, 40-yard line and scores at least a field goal, and LSU loses, and the game never goes to overtime. And what, what's what's weird, this is like one of Saban, and Saban, is, he's not infallible. He's always made some weird little gaffes. He, 
And because Danielson chastised him on the broadcast, not chastised, but goes after him. Whoever he had returning punts has like a bad ankle and he can't move. And the punt goes over his head and he can't chase it down. He, he's, he's got a sprain yeah. or some kind of ankle nagging him. And it rolls like another like 20, 15 yards. And like it flips the game. It it's, wins the game for LSU, like you said, Puzz, because if Bama has even decent field position, I think they win with a field goal. Yeah, they kick a field goal early in the in the third quarter, and LSU wasn't scoring a touchdown. So even if LSU gets a, a field goal, they lose that game. They lose that game nine six in regulation. And what's also weird about that game is there were so few possessions. Like I looked at the box score this morning, which I don't have in front of me, but it was sort of like you expect to have like ten or twenty drives kind of thing. It's like two drives a quarter, and that's it. Like they both teams were milking the clock the entire game. Like that game was over so quickly. Like it never felt like either team got the chance to get their rhythm, which is a weird thing to say about a three hour game, but it's not like it is today where teams just run up and down the field. And there's these wild swings of momentum. There was no momentum in that game. Actually, it's so crazy. You say that. Um, Cause I think about the 2011 LSU Alabama game. I think about the 2019 LSU Alabama game. It's so different stylistically, and that's that's not a long time span. But you may as well be watching a game from like the 1500s. Watch that yeah, 96 no, game. It's weird because it's weird how much football has changed in the last five years. Mm-hmm. Because the 2011 game, if you transport that game to 1982, it looks like a 1982 football game. There's mm-hmm. almost no difference between that. And nineteen eighty two honestly, the 1982 game is more offense. We forget, you know, BYU was throwing the ball all over the place back then. Hell, so was LSU. The 2019-2020 LSU-Alabama games, they don't look like anything. I mean, like, they're, we have crossed the Rubicon to just a different sport where teams just – and, you know, Oklahoma's the same way, but they play so much offense and there's – the rules are so tilted against defense now. You could not have a great team play the 2011 game. There's just not – it's incomprehensible that two teams could be that great without great quarterback play. Well, uh, a special talent like Brad Wang would be wasted in today's game. They had to feature him somehow. It, it would be. you know. And honestly, if he had played in 58 when Ole Miss would punt on third down – or sometimes first down, he would have been even more valuable. <laughs> yeah, and you think you're going to make fun of me on Brad Wing, but I'm not going to back down on this. Brad Wing was amazing. No, I love Brad Wing. <laughs> like, the for the brand. Sti- they still have memes about him today on message boards. You can go to an LSU message board and find, you know, come at me, mate, uh, <laughs> memes all over the place. It is, he is a legend. And – I mean, outside of like Sepulveda at Baylor, and the only reason he's a legend at Baylor is because they're so te- they were so terrible. They needed someone to like. It's very hard for a punter to become famous on a team, and that's just the kind of team it was. That said, Teran Matthew was the team's best player, and it wasn't close. Yeah. Teran Matthew yeah. was an agent of chaos, and. What's weird is in the Alabama game, I don't remember him making any huge plays. That's like the one game he didn't break it open 
which is why the game stayed 9-6. Because if Matthew has his normal game where he returns a punt for a touchdown, you know, gets a strip sack or, you know, has an interception, you know, that he returns to the two-yard line, that game's totally different because what would happen is he would make a big play and the ball would just start rolling. Like, he, one good thing would happen and then another good thing and another good thing and another good thing. And in that LSU-Alabama thing, that game, that good th- first thing never happened, so the momentum never got going. So who won? LSU. <laughs> <laughs> they they could have scored a touchdown in overtime. They had the ball, like I think, on like the three-yard line. I remember when Jefferson hit a wide-open Russell Shepard, but it like underthrew him by like 15 yards? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the other thing is we're having a quarterback battle between Jarrett Lee and um, and Jordan Jefferson. And on the same team, you have Russell Shepard and Zach Mettenberger as a freshman. So actually the two best quarterbacks in the team <laughs> didn't play quarterback on that team. <laughs> Russell Shepard still never, never got to throw a pass at LSU. He was the number one high school quarterback. Or I, mean, I guess he was an athlete, quote-unquote athlete listed, but – Never, never threw a single snap. Just quarterback. And, and like, it would be one thing if he had backed up, you know, Jamarcus Russell. But he didn't back up Jamarcus Russell. <laughs> yes. The fact he never threw a pass and LSU's starting quarterback set the NCAA record for pick sixes. You think you could have squeezed him in there once or twice? What do you remember about the Arkansas game? Speaking of Matthew getting the ball rolling. The, yeah, that was the game that it was another one of those games where early on it was close. I think Arkansas was up big. It was, it was 14 nothing. Yeah, 14 what, nothing. Arkansas uh, got up. And you're and like, not oh only my that, God. remember, Arkansas is number three in the nation at the time. Elshu doesn't have the West one just yet. The West, Elshu's still playing to get to Atlanta because uh, Elshu's unbeaten. Bama's got the one loss. Arkansas, does Arkansas, no, I might be remembering wrong, but Arkansas, if they beat LSU, I they think it's a tiebreaker. Yeah, yeah, if they beat LSU, they go to Atlanta, and you go down 14 nothing. you're like, this is going to come crashing down at home. This is like, almost like 2007. Because in 2007, LSU lost to Arkansas and needed all sorts of crazy things to happen to make a championship game. So you're... I remember it was 14 nothing, and I was watching at the ranch. Uh, my father-in-law has a ranch in the hill country of Texas, and I'm watching that game, and what I thought was going to be a relaxing weekend where I hung out with some cows. Instead, I am super nervous. I'm like, are we going to blow it against Arkansas again? And there's no way Pitt is beating West Virginia this time. <laughs> <laughs> Or West Virginia beaten Pitt. Like yeah. it was it was bad. It was 14 nothing. You're just like, we're gonna lose to Arkansas. And then suddenly Taran Matthew, I think either had an interception or a big return. It, they all it was, a, it was a punt return. Yeah, I, that's what I thought. It was a punt return. And they gave uh um yeah, what was it? Like an 80, 90 yarder? I mean, it was a big one. He was in the shadow of his own end zone. It was 92 it was the serves, right? from, 90, uh, God, 92 yards. And when he did that, it was just like... It was on. Honey Badger. Yes. It, it's the Honey Badger. This is all going to happen. And 
all of a sudden, Jordan Jefferson's throwing complete passes. Uh, I remember he threw a touchdown. He threw a touchdown pass to Russell Shepard in that game. Yep. And um, it second was, half, LSU just came out and blew him out in the second half. Yeah. LSU got down 14 nothing, won 42-17, I believe. So that's that's kind of the team that LSU was. Yeah, they would they wouldn't show up for a first 15, 20 minutes. They were a slow arriving team. But there was like this nexus in like the middle of the second quarter, like right about the twenty minute mark, where LSU would just roll you. And that mm. Arkansas game was a masterpiece. Like that's the two thousand eleven season in a game. The Oregon game, I think, more so, but the Arkansas game is close because they were a top five team, and then at that point, they had beaten Oregon, who won the Pac-12. They beat West Virginia, who won the Big East, and they were going to win the SEC. I, I mean, they were just – and then they had won um, – they had beaten the number three team in Oregon at the beginning of the year. They beat, again, the number three team in Arkansas – to be the number two team in Alabama. And I think they had four other top 25 wins. I mean, they had a resume that rivaled 95 Nebraska. Now, I'll still say that 95 Nebraska was a better team because, good Lord, do you remember 95 Nebraska? That was just watching, like watching no, somebody eat souls. I don't. Yeah. Well, it was like watching someone eat souls. Like, that team was unstoppably great. But – this was that level. The resume that LSU had in 2011 is unparalleled at a regular season level. Th that team was just – and they did it without a quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Playing with one arm behind their back, yeah. 95 yeah. Nebraska didn't beat Northwestern State, though. No, no, they didn't. You know, like – True. Or Western when the Blue Kentucky Demons come in to the town, 10th week uh... of the season. <laughs> You laugh about Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky scored more points than Alabama did in that 9-6 game. I think Western Kentucky had nine. Also, didn't Western Kentucky uh, – or am I getting – was that too long ago? They had a pretty good coach back then, didn't they? They were running like a kind of freakish offense, or is that later on when you played Western Kentucky later in You're the... saying Western Kentucky should have been in the national championship game? No, no, Western Kentucky is Western Kentucky. Let's oh. not get ahead of ourselves. Speaking um, of uh, should have been the national championship game, Poster, what do you remember about that weekend when – because what I remember after the Alabama game, not to go back before we go forward, no, right. but I remember Bama didn't fall that far in the poll after the 9-6 game. It was like maybe they fell from yeah. like two to three, three or They're four five. Like, those games don't count. Bama losses never count. Like, and that made me nervous. That. that made me nervous. It's like, ah, oh, fuck, okay, so they're going to keep them in as long as they possibly can. Yeah. But I remember the weekend, it was LSU played Ole Miss, and I went, th I went with that game with Band. And then on the Friday night, was the infamous Iowa State Oklahoma State game that uh, the Cowboys yes. blew at uh, at uh, at Ames? You call that the poke choke? Yeah, it, wasn't, it was. It wasn't bad enough that Oklahoma State lost, but it was just the perfect storm of okay. It was like oh well, Oklahoma State lost, whatever. And then like the next night, Oregon loses, and then I think. There, there was some other team that, like, ahead of between, like, that was buffering between LSU and Alabama that lost. And you're like, was it Florida State? Someone from the ACC? It had to have been like an ACC school, yeah. Um, I do remember that it, they were like, hey, if they're going to be a playoff, every team's going to be teams that LSU already beat. 
Because that's when we were at peak. Whenever we'd expand to four teams, and we'd be like, if there were four teams, LSU would have to play Oregon and Alabama. <laughs> like the the basically the point that I'm trying to get across, like the, whatever like debt that LSU offered up in 07, that blood magic to get into New Orleans, that came back that weekend yeah. in full time. I totally agree. What gets me mad about 2011 for this one, Oklahoma State, first off, it's kind of disputed whether that kick went in or not. But let's even – and you say, oh, well, LSU missed out on playing Oklahoma State rather than rematching with Alabama by a fraction of an inch. But forget that. It's even worse than that because – Let's say you don't even change the results on the field and Oklahoma State loses that game straight up against Iowa State without any controversy. Push the ball even further to the left, all right? Oklahoma State had a better resume than Alabama. And -hmm. when Alabama played Auburn on ESPN, they spent the entire game lobbying for Alabama to play. And the computers, if you remember, had Oklahoma State ahead of Alabama. Not all of them, but if you took you know the average, if there was just computer rankings, LSU would have played Oklahoma State. It was the the people who pushed it in there. It was the narrative of Alabama's better than Oklahoma State. But Alabama didn't beat anyone all year. It wasn't they got in on LSU's schedule. Like Alabama, okay, they beat Arkansas, but other than that, they they didn't have those quality wins that LSU had out of conference. They didn't beat West Virginia and Oregon. You know, they, they beat Auburn, but, you know, Auburn was a good team that year, but they weren't great. They didn't have Cam. And Oklahoma State won the Big 12. They had one loss, and it was in overtime on the road. Oklahoma State should have been in that game even with that loss. Yet, they spent this entire – I think what made me angry was that ESPN was clearly lobbying for Alabama. And that's when ESPN – ESPN has always lobbied for teams. If you remember when they did the USC thing and they had the whole series about how USC is the greatest team ever and then they went out and lost to Texas, which is one of the funniest things that's ever happened. But if you don't have the media machine behind Alabama, they don't get in that game. Even with the loss, Oklahoma State gets in that game – without having the power of ESPN lobbying behind Bama. And that sets up, well, we'll do the SEC champ. Let's let's do something happy first. The SEC championship game was fun as hell, wasn't it? And speaking of fucking not showing up for half an hour, uh, yeah. LSU had zero first downs in the first half. Yeah, it was awful. And then Honey Badger don't see no goal lines. <laughs> and... He once again, Terran Matthew made a big play, and if you look at the tape, he he tossed the ball to the ref before he crossed the goal line. <laughs> George did right. Point. I'm sorry. Yeah, that should have been a it, it, it should have been a fumble, and they should have got the ball to the twenty. Sorry, you, you're right. Uh, but boy, wasn't that fun? <laughs> you know what I remember weirdly the most about that game was. The LSU logo they put in the end zone is just this weirdest font that LSU doesn't use. It's like this, like block Times New Roman weird yellow LSU letter. And I was like, "What is this? This isn't what this isn't the Go font." Do you remember what I'm talking about? Well, I think they use the old LSU logo, oh. not the the Go font. Is yeah, God, the Go font. What are we gonna? Can you spell Go for our listeners? A G E A U X. Um, 
LSU actually has a proprietary font. They invented a font for the team and all their things. So, yes, they've copyrighted how you're supposed to make the yep. letters. Can you find Just, that in uh, Microsoft Word? I'm sure you can. I mean, like, or at least only in the Louisiana edition. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, LSU will find a way to make a buck. Um, That's also when they had the Tunes' logo, um, which they said was the most successful logo in LSU history because they unveiled it before 2003 and LSU started winning a whole bunch of titles, not because the logo was any good, but instead it was – it looked like Toons is the driving cat from Saturday Night Live. It is a terrible logo. And they have quietly, over the past five years, gotten rid of it. I, I think Toons is, is now completely gone. We're back to old Mike. Yeah. The uh, the Go font, I kid you not, um, speaking of LSU, will like find a way to make money off of it. Uh, if you want to use it, like LSU band likes to do, like if we wanted to use it for like end of year shirts, whatever, they have to go to the school and ask for permission to use it. Like their own students have to ask permission and LSU, they'll, they'll let you use it if you're willing to pay. Of course they will. It's like, fuck you guys, come on. Well, the band has to pay salaries. And, uh, you know, I've got a question. Did that team stay under the salary cap, that 2011 LSU team? Uh, yeah, I mean the running back uh, backfield. That I mean that really might have busted the cap, but uh, I think we made some savvy moves to. Um... Kyle, do you know the quarterbacks? Of course, they stayed under the salary cap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they the money, the but, position. Um, they yeah. just tanked that position, right? Also, like for a weird reason, for a long time, LSU didn't have very good linebackers. Like if you think about that 2011 yeah. defense, this amazing front four, uh, I one of the best secondaries ever, and. You know, just some dudes. Just some dudes playing linebacker. I mean, they weren't bad, but like, put a gun to my head right now. I can't. I, if you said name the 2011 linebackers and don't be wrong, I wouldn't take that bet. I, I could not do it. I mean, there was some. If I said I was one of the 2011 linebackers, I would know that's wrong. Like, I, I mean, it was, I mean, like if you mentioned them, I'd be like, okay, yeah, that sounds right. I, I think Carnell Hatcher was on that team because I remember cursing him a lot. But Are like, you saying you don't remember Ryan right. Baker? Oh my God, Ryan Baker! Yeah, he was on that number, team. Number yeah, twenty-two. Like, oh God, it's just, what a cool linebacker number, though. Yeah. Uh, okay, Kevin Minter was on that. Uh, he was great. Like, yeah, but, but he wasn't I mean, Kevin Minter yet. But, yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, you're. I think you're right. Uh, um, and also was uh, uh, what's his face on it? Um, Kelvin Shepard was he on the 2011 team yet? Shepard was gone. I think they had Stefan Francois on that oh, team though. God, what a good LSU name, Stefan Francois. Yeah, I think like, actually, I think I named all three. So if the gun was to my head, I'd get to walk away with my life because I think I, I nailed yeah, all three. Yeah, like I, I wouldn't be able to do it. Like on, on the flip side, like I, I can go, I mean, like, yeah, I can do the 2010 secondary, 2011. I mean, we haven't even mentioned Ron Brooks, who was also an NFL player. And he's yeah. like, oh, yeah, just a backup cornerback, uh, whatever. You know, you know, we mentioned Theroux Simon. Like, whatever, you know, they were just really good player. Benny Logan was on that team. He, you know, he won a Super Bowl. Good player. Good player. Just studs everywhere, up front and in the back. And in the middle, you know, man. Just, you know, just some guys. This was definitely this like, is definitely pre-Devin White, pre-Patrick Queen. That's, yeah, it's a, it's a weird sure. thing because, like, LSU back in the 60s was famous for its linebackers. Like, that's his thing. I mean, Mike Anderson's restaurant, he still makes, you know, delicious gumbo. Um, 
if you're into Baton Rouge, Mike Anderson's restaurant is really the place to go. Um, but yeah, they had this run of great running back of great linebackers. And then the eighties, they had some great linebackers. You know, you have Michael Brooks who like every LSU fan of my age is just like, he's the greatest player ever, you know, Eric Hill. Um, and then, you know, now we've had a ton of linebackers in the last couple of years, Patrick queen, but like the teens, when you had like these really great LSU defenses, not a whole lot of big name linebackers on any of those teams. 2007 didn't have any great linebackers either. Which one's better, Gumbo or Jambalaya? I'm a Jambalaya man, but you know, hey, I I, uh, I like all kinds. Zach, what do you what do you go with? I think Jambalaya is better just because you can have it year round. Gumbo is more of like a cold weather kind of food. It's it's great. Like I always have it on Christmas, but you know, it's weird to have gumbo in August or April. I think that's fair. Yeah, you, uh, you can have you can have jambalaya year round. Gumbo, for whatever reason, is a seasonal kind of food. To be honest, is, my mom, um, her etouffee is better than either of those. So if I'm eating at my mom's house, I want her to make me some etouffee. Ooh, nice. Is gumbo a soup or is it a distinct entity? Gumbo. I think it's a soup. Wouldn't you? It's got rice in it, but it's still yeah. a soup. With it being with it having rice, I don't know if it qualifies as a soup. Um, How I've always kind of viewed it is, um, it's the level of gush. Like gumbo <laughs> is all gush with a little bit of rice at the bottom. Etouffee is rice with gush on top. Yeah, and jambalaya is rice with the gush cooked in. Yeah, so so basically, right? Like when when you've got the gumbo and the jambalaya, <clears throat> you cook the rice in the gumbo. Like, that's what makes it jambalaya, right? You actually are stewing it in with the rice. Is that, am, am I wrong or am I right? Like, jambalaya, you make it all together. It's one big right. pot. But, like, gumbo, you make the rice separately. You said, right. And, you put it's, those, it's and then you put the rice into your completed gumbo. Mm-hmm. It, it's I'm not the best then. chef on the site. We need Billy for this one. But you, I think that's the gumbo technique. I don't you think do I'm the badass stuff. Now. It's, like, the tastiest thing in the history of ever. And you go on from there. Like, well, well, one thing we will take a backseat to no one on is Louisiana's great food. Just food. outstanding food. If you come to a game, we will yell at you. We will call you tiger bait. We will be very rude. We'll say nasty things. And then we will invite you for a beer and give you the most delicious food you've ever had. And it is in your best interest to not ask what's in the food. It's, it's probably something they found on the side of the road. It's still going to be good. Don't ask questions. <laughs> the national championship game, OU versus LSU, uh, they invited us for beers after the game in New Orleans by throwing them at us. It was yeah. uh, the only we, time we I ever changed yeah. shirts after a game. Yeah. <laughs> LSU fans are weird. We want you to have a good time, and we want you to like us, but we're just too aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like we we just kind of say hi, but like yelling at you. It's just <laughs> – have a good time. No. Have a good time. Why aren't you having a good time? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the Georgia game, yes, Teran Matthew didn't score that touchdown. We we still won that game, what, 41 to 10, 42 to 10? It yep. didn't make a difference. But, but if he doesn't score that touchdown, I do think it changes how the game goes. So now, the season's over, right? Season's over. No, no game time. We won the national title. We all go home. Bye, everybody. End of the show. I met I met Vern Lundquist after the Georgia game. Was he, how drunk nice. was he? <laughs> he? He 
<laughs> he's like four foot nothing, and he's as round as he is tall. And he's just the most jolly, really one of the better moments of my life that I got to meet Vern. Uh, and I kept calling him Vern the whole time. And he, uh, it was me and a senior <laughs> trombone uh, who goes by Ice Pick. I think still to this day, he's like 31. He still calls himself Ice Pick. And he's like, well, you boys in the world, you guys definitely enjoyed it. We're like, thanks, Vern. You got it, Ice Pick. Yeah. Hopefully that's what he said on the way out. Yeah, I, I love Vern. But, man, that that's a guy who's clearly drinking on air towards the end. Yeah, you know what I mean, Vern? No. Big fan of Vern. Like, he, he, he made SEC football. Like, he had the, that perfect voice. Uh, Better line he, was, he was great in Happy Gilmore. Better linebacker, Devin White, Bobby Boucher. Well, Devin White paid for LSU, and also being real. No, <laughs> <laughs> so Bobby you Boucher. Guys are... uh, yeah, he he won the Bourbon Bowl, and uh, he did because there was no tomorrow. <laughs> you guys are really delaying the inevitable end to the season. <laughs> uh, we are. Yeah, season. we're trying to delay the inevitable. So, the, as it is known. In many quarters, the game that shall not be named. As I've already said, made my case, Oklahoma State should have been in that game. If LSU plays Oklahoma State and wins that game, which is no sure thing. Oklahoma State was a good team that year. LSU would have beaten the Pac-12 champ, the Big East champ, and won the SEC and the Big East champ. They would have beaten... They would have beaten four of the six power conference champions. It would have been one of the great seasons of all time. Instead, we got the rematch. And LSU just, what can you say? They didn't show up and they didn't cross midfield. Crossed midfield once. Did they? I didn't think they did. Yeah, they crossed midfield once. And uh, on the next play, they got called for holding. I pushed back past him. So that's why you don't <laughs> oh, okay. I, thought, yeah. I thought it was to shake hands. Yeah, I thought so too. <laughs> um, it was actually a closer game than you remember. Like it was close. It was still a ball game for most of it. It was like thirteen nothing for a pretty long period, I think, or twelve nothing. It was, it was get out in hand until like because that's still striking distance. It's still two scores, but they could once again never get that big play. Uh, Taran Matthew just uh, Saban did a really good job of making sure he was always always covering a tight end. And Matthew is a game-changing player, but he he can't give a guy a hundred pounds. And um, I'm gonna go back because I remember because I, I I was there. Uh, you know, I was in band. I was with that team till the bitter end. I remember waking up that morning and just something felt wrong. Um, it was like a gray, cold, dreary day in New Orleans. And like the first sign that something was wrong was um, I wear contacts. Both my lenses tore that morning. I was like, ah, that sucked. My third glasses. And I don't. Double tear. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't like. I don't like wearing glasses uh, to games uh, when I was in band. You know, just how much we being on the field and sweating all that stuff. Uh, I didn't. Did and that that should have been the sign. And I. I remember after we got back from um, from the stands or from the field to the stands, uh, my glasses slipped off my face and they, they didn't break, but uh, 
ice pick who I was sitting next to. And he said, and it's so funny to hear him say it now in hindsight. He said, man, can you imagine if your glasses broke and you couldn't watch any? And God, I wish they would have. Um, <laughs> I remember also like being in the seats. I was saying, I always like to take pictures of stadiums I hadn't been to at the time. So I took a picture of the countdown clock. It's got Alabama zero, LSU zero. And just it it sucks that that zero on LSU side just never changed. You know, it's such a humiliating loss. Like if you lose twenty one three, okay, twenty one six, whatever, twenty one nothing. Like, damn. When they, I mean, they kicked two field goals. It was like six nothing for a while. I mean, it might have well been a million nothing. I mean, and the story of the game is that Jared Lee never comes in. Jordan Jefferson started and played the whole game. And that's the, and there's a lot of LSU fans who to this day are like, if only Jarrett Lee had come in. I would also point out Jarrett Lee played three games against Alabama. And in those three games combined did not throw for 300 yards. Um, But forget about the quarterbacks because that's not what made the difference in the game. LSU's leading rusher in that game was Kenny Hilliard. And he had, anyone want to guess how many yards? Because I do remember this. I don't know. I'm guessing nine, nine yards. 472. And, and yeah, we lost 21 to nothing. It wasn't 472. 23 is a good guess. <laughs> it is it. too high. I'm sorry. You lose. <sighs> the answer is 16. Price is right. Kenny rolls. Hilliard led LSU. Oh, shit, I win. 16 <laughs> yards. And that is the story of the game. Like, LSU could not run the football. And remember, we were talking, this is a loaded backfield. It's, you know, Alfred Blue, Spencer Ware, uh, the future. Uh, Mr. Poser, uh, Posette, uh, Michael Ford, uh, Kenny Hilliard. Jordan Jefferson was a really good runner. Um, 16 yards. Uh, LSU could do nothing in that football game. And this is really – Saban had a legend about him at this point, but it wasn't quite – he wasn't Nick Saban yet. I mean, he was considered the best coach in college football, but he wasn't the second coming of Bear Bryant yet. This was really the game that I think made his reputation where if you play Nick Saban twice in one year, you're screwed. There's just no way if you give him a second chance to game plan against you Mm -hmm. that he's going to blow that. Bama dismantled LSU in that championship game, and it's infuriating because I don't think they should have been in that game. But when it happened, it was – it is the most painful football game I think I've ever sat through. And yeah. it's sort of like the question of, is it worse to be bad or to be so close to greatness and then losing that way? I don't think the team was mentally there. I mean, I really think this team, LSU walked in that game with, we already beat these guys. Why do we have to play them again? This They've said as much. Yeah. Sam Montgomery said as much in an interview a couple of years ago. He's like, we said we beat these guys already. Like, why are we doing this again? And um, Alabama went in that game thinking, we get a second chance at these guys, and we're going to show the first game was a fluke. Even though they played that game at home. Like, it wasn't like they beat us in Tiger Stadium. Like, where you can kind of say, hey, the crowd made a difference. But, and that crowd makes a difference. But they had their home crowd. And, God, it was just... Alabama came to that game just they would have they were a great team anyway, but they would have beaten anyone in the world in that game. They they were on a mission 
They came in pissed off. Um, the frustrating thing was when you when you said you give Nick Saban a, a chance to game plan twice. The frustrating thing on LSU's end was they said, "Hey, let's just run this shit back. Let's just do the exact same thing we did against uh, against them in November, and made just no adjustments." Yeah, and, and also it's sort of like you're sitting there and you're thinking, "We played this game once." We won, and it was a slugfest. They're not going to be able to do it. And honestly, the second game was kind of a slugfest for a while, too. It's just, once again, that big play never happened until real late in the fourth quarter. I think Alabama scored the game's only touchdown with, like, 10 minutes left. But it was just, like, LSU, I don't want to say didn't want to be there, but it was sort of like they thought they had already won the title. And what was so infuriating is for LSU to make the championship – they had to beat number three Arkansas and then win the SEC championship game. And if they had lost either of those games, LSU wouldn't have been in the championship game despite the season they had. Alabama only had a one-game season, loses, and still gets a second chance. And it really felt like it was a rigged game where even if Alabama lo- – it, it really felt like a tails-I-win, heads – you know heads you lose situation. But as much as people talk about it being the SEC gets these second chances, that's not true. It's Alabama gets a second yeah. chance or Ohio state gets a second chance. Cause like they made the playoffs when they lost to Virginia tech and no one cared about that. If you're a blue blood, a true tried and true blue blood, if you're USC, if you're Alabama, you know, um, Ohio state, maybe Notre Dame, the rules are different. If you're, you know, if you're LSU, and LSU is a great program. We are one of the elite programs in college football, but we're not Alabama and we're not Ohio State. And mm-hmm. we don't get those kind of second chances that Alabama got in 2011. Yeah, I, I don't think, and I'm sure Poser will agree, if it's 9-6, Alabama wins in overtime in Tuscaloosa, they tell LSU, fuck off. You know, yeah. Go, uh, I go play, uh, go play the Outback Bowl. Yeah, you know, we played that we would play there, right? we would have played in the Cotton Bowl against, you know, a really good team, and they would have played Oregon for the national title. Or, or Oklahoma State. If LSU plays Oklahoma State in the national championship and loses in a similar fashion in a similar game, does that change anything for you guys? I think it does. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, okay, whatever. Yeah, they were better. They beat us. Okay, fair. Yeah. Fair play. Yeah. I mean it sucks. We'd be mad. You know, and I'm sure we, you know, like every fan, you'd be like, well, if we had only had this or had this. But I don't think it would have taken the psychological toll because from 2011 to 2019, LSU could not beat Alabama. It was a thing. Like, LSU could beat anyone in the country, and then when they played Alabama, LSU would find ways to lose against Alabama. And honestly, I think it kind of dates to the next year, 2012, because LSU yeah. should have beaten um, Alabama in 2012, and I think that's kind of what start really solidified this mental block that LSU had on Bama. That that's that's my theory, Poser. It's not the the January 9th, 2012 game that started it. It's that whatever November third, fourth, whatever day, 2012. That's when it started. Uh, that was my sophomore year. And that night meant something to LSU. Um, you could, it was, it was in Baton Rouge that game. That was the uh, LSU lost the game in to Florida. So we're, I don't know, seven and one, eight and one, something like that. 
but you can still go to Atlanta. You beat Alabama, you get right back to Atlanta, win the SEC, go play Notre Dame, assuming everything else plays out. That night meant the world. That was our, okay, we're getting this game. We're avenging January. We're getting yeah. back on track. And and they had them beat, too. That's the that's the worst of it. You're up the worst sus. of the 2012 game is that Les Miles went back to his, you know, we were talking about he had the crazy reputation. He took four or five gambles in that game, and every one of them blew up in his face. Not yep. one of them worked. And you can argue about whether they were the right call or not. I think the onside kick was a great call, and I it just didn't go for it. It worked. It just hit him. Yeah, it worked. They said he touched it before it went 10 yards. But then with the game on the line, and there was like two minutes left, and it was like third and two, he blinked. And that's when he yeah. should have thrown the ball. And instead, they played conservative, played for a field goal. And you play again for a field goal against Alabama, you're not going to win. And they kicked that field goal, and it was still enough time, and it wasn't a two-score game. Bama drove down the field, scored a touchdown, and won. And it's so no. funny for Les Miles to have this reputation as a gambler. He lost to Bama in 2012 because he didn't gamble. Like, he got conservative at the worst possible time. And that's when the fan base turned. Yeah, I think you're right. The weird thing, too, was, remember, in the 12 game, he fakes a long – or it wasn't – I'm phrasing this wrong. It was a shorter field goal attempt, but it was like 4th and 15, and he fakes it. But the situation presents itself at the end of the game in the fourth quarter – where it's a longer field goal attempt, but it's like fourth and one, fourth and two, and he kicks it. Yeah, and you're like, should have gone. Like, like you should have flipped this. Like, you should have kicked the shorter one and faked or gone, just manned up and gone for it, and he didn't. Um, but he, oh shit, I guess he did, he did make that field goal. But yeah, he made the field goal, and it just felt so inconsequential. You're like, well. Okay. We're he he made a three-point lead, six points, and that's nothing. Alabama, and then they kicked the uh, the kickoff went out of bounds, so they started at the forty. Yeah, and, and they uh, out of field, scored a touchdown, and they won by one. And LSU didn't beat Bama again until two thousand nineteen, and it became and, and, like this. Every year, LSU would find a new way to lose to Bama, and some of them were domination. Some of them we had no shot, and that's that's those are actually the easier ones to take. But there were some games in there where LSU had Bama beat yep. and just found new and creative ways to lose. And it really <laughs> felt mental. And it kind of became this thing around the program of like, well, who cares how good you are? You're going to lose to Bama every year, so you can't win the national title. Yep. So what are you doing? And that and that was the frustrating thing because uh, with them not only being the same conference but the same division, you can't accomplish your postseason goals. You can't get to Atlanta. You can't win the SEC. You can't play for the national championship. Um, the 12 game is when it started, or the, the, the yeah. regular season 12 games when it all started. Tiger Stadium died that night. I, I'll always remember the hush when uh, Yeldon catches that screen. And uh, the other frustrating thing, too, is Matthew's not on that team because he gets kicked off uh, in Pro the offseason. Yeah. Um, Jalen Mills, he's a freshman, and you know, he's a great NFL player. He wins a Super Bowl for the Eagles a couple years ago. But he's a freshman at the time. He blitzes, and he's in the wrong spot. And I'll go to my graves. Like I, I know people, like we just said, people say, oh, if Jared Lee had been in the game, LSU beats Alabama in uh, the natty. I'm convinced if Matthew's in that uh, in that game, in that play, he makes the play, stops yelling, and maybe strips him, maybe picks him up, Dude, maybe does. If Teran Matthews on the 2012 team, they go undefeated. I, I, I mean, think, yeah. 
Teran Matthew was that much of a difference maker, but it, it's hard to explain because I know you guys were looking at this beforehand. It's, like, it's not like the bottom fell out of LSU. LSU was still a great program from 2012 to the end of Les Miles' tenure, but the juice was gone, and it just felt like every season you were just like, how is LSU going to lose? And you, you just – you didn't feel like you were ever going to win again. Like you were going to be good, and and look, I grew up in an era in which LSU was terrible, so I will never compa- complain about a nine and three season. It's it's my it's my blood oath. You're nine and three. You had a great year, but most LSU fans have not taken that blood oath, and mm-hmm. there were a lot of pissed off people. This team just goes nine and three every year, and they're you know that's terrible. That makes you one of the best programs in the country. That's what success looks like, but. When the very best team in college football is your rival in your same division and has your old coach, it's really hard to swallow. It's we we revisit last summer we revisited or SB Nation revisited like best teams never win or like moments that you regard something like that. Uh, But we revisited the eleven twelve era, and I said. There's a parallel universe where LSU wins national championships in 11 and 12, and they have zero, and that's it's it's a shame because they were good enough to win both years. If if the world is fair, they win one of the two years, but this is just a sign that the world's cruel because LSU has yeah. zero championships of those years. And to bring everyone else into it, if LSU wins one of those titles, does Alabama become the juggernaut it's become? It's your fault. Yeah, it is. We're also responsible for Clemson. We blew that peach bowl. And that's even Debo points to that game as the one where that gave Clemson the confidence to go off and slay uh, national contenders. LSU's losses to Alabama and Clemson have created the two most obnoxious dynasties in college football. We're sorry, everybody, but you should have pulled for us. This is, you weren't there for us. So, you know, you, you could have well, been a team. Your 40-point victory over Oklahoma in the Peach Bowl might have made Oklahoma actually have a defense. So if Oklahoma now becomes the next dominant team, like you did that one too. Yeah, our fault. That's probably how it's going to go. Like we we give birth to these dynasties. But I do think there's an interesting, you know, alternate history. If LSU wins one of those two titles, does Nick Saban become Nick Saban? Um, Is it the best LSU team ever? Uh, 2019 clearly forecloses that. The 2019 team is the greatest LSU team, and I don't think there's even a discussion. So is it the second best? I think you can make a case for 2005, 2006, those teams being better. Um, They had a better offense. Jamarcus Russell was amazing. The 2005 team didn't win because of Katrina and the Hurricanes. If there's no Hurricanes in 2005, LSU probably wins the national title then. 2006, they just kind of blew some games. Um, but that's kind of here or there. The 2011 team is the most accomplished regular season team. Maybe even more accomplished than the 2019 team. It just, it will always be remembered instead of, instead of being remembered as one of the great teams of all time, it's remembered for the 21 to nothing. Uh, Bill Connolly for ESPN just did a thing of the 50 greatest teams that didn't win a national championship, and he didn't list 2011 LSU. And that is absurd. Uh, um, 
Like, I don't want to, you know, be angry at Bill Connolly because I think he's a great writer and I love everything he does. But the fact that the reputation of the 2000 LSU team is that low is says everything you need to say about that game. One game changed the reputation of a team and a program because honestly, LSU's quarterback play, while it's been bad, it hasn't been as awful as you think. Zach Mettenberger was really good right after those two graduated. Uh, Jamarcus Russell, you know, was a Heisman contender. He threw the ball over the place. It's not like they haven't had quarterback play. It's just that when you say LSU can't throw the ball, you're thinking Jarrett Lee and Jordan Jefferson, and then you're thinking Anthony Jennings and Brandon Harris. You're thinking of four seasons. Wait, I just remembered something from the 11. One of, uh, one of the girls that I was in Tiger Band with, we came in as freshmen together. Uh, she actually cried at the end of the game. Uh, she's like, this wasn't supposed to happen. And you know, that's, that's just kind of how the whole night was. I don't blame was her. That, was that girl you? Yeah, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get you guys out of here on this. Um, I want both of you, or you can nominate one or the other, uh, to give us your best, most heartfelt Coach O, Go Tigers. Can you do an Edo? Um, I don't, I don't think I can do an Edo. You got it. One of you. Oh, he's got it. Oh, here we go. Go Tigers. There you have it. That is the story. And these are the college football stories. Was it 100% accurate? Yeah, that sounds right. Follow us on Twitter at the CFB Stories. Also, see all of our inebriated storytelling podcasts as part of the Stories Podcast Network at the Stories Pods on Twitter as our guests rewrite the past across various sports. Alcoholic drinks are consumed voluntarily by our guests at their own discretion. Please drink responsibly. That was good. good. That was really good. Drastically better than I thought it was going to be. I I did too. Buster, did you think the 15 team was national championship good? Yeah. Yeah. Fournette was amazing. Uh, There's all this, uh, what is it, where people try to say Fournette wasn't that good. And there's kind of like fans who try to say Geis was better, which has now gone away. Those people are very quiet now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Letter Fournette. Peak Fournette was the greatest college football running back since Herschel Walker. And the fact that he wasn't a Heisman finalist still pisses me off. Uh, I mean, he was so dominant, so ridiculous. And the reason Alabama could beat him is because they put like 11 guys in the box and dared a quarterback to throw and he couldn't. He had no help. I remember I said, because that was my last year of school, my last year of band, uh, we opened the year against Mississippi State, and Fournette had like three touchdowns. And I remember I said, we can win any game because we have seven and nobody else has seven. Yeah. And I'm like, remember the Syracuse game? They took away two of his touchdowns where he had like two 80-yard runs that just don't exist anymore. Yeah. He could have have had – 
maybe not. No, he could have had like a, I think the single game like NCAA rushing record had that. Uh, yeah, had those yards not to take off. It was a pretty the bogus call. Derrick Henry. Yeah, the fact that Derrick Henry won the Heisman just sticks in my craw. That was. There is no human being that watched those two teams play and thought Henry was better. No. Henry was I mean, that's just insane. a freshman. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, Fournette was ungodly. That, so that 2015 team, and also the defense was amazing, but it's the great bugaboo of uh, Les Miles. Uh, quarterback play, that's really when it really got bad. The Harris-Jennings yeah. uh, quarterback battle was... <laughs> One of the most depressing quarterback battles of my life. <laughs> and I saw Melvin Hill play. So, and Brian Sparacino. So, I don't know. Bad quarterback play. It really put a damper on. Like, I don't think LSU recovered from that loss. I don't think no. really until 2018. Like, when. The, I would give him a year earlier. When Orgeron took him to the Fiesta Bowl, you could tell things were turning. But yeah. It. A Paul hung over that program forever. That game, I mean, it was psychologically damaging. I just went through the next three years. It didn't. It took till fourteen until you really lost to someone you shouldn't have. No, I agree with that. Uh, it's not like the, that's the weird thing. It's, like, but, it's not like the program fell off a cliff. Yeah, it's just that this Paul. It's it's hard to explain. Yeah. It was just this malaise where just everyone was upset mm-hmm. for five years. Um, I also remember, and you don't have to include this if you want to. Uh, I just remember I went to the restaurant before the game started too, and some dude dapped me up. And he's like, because I was in my band uniform stuff. He's like, "You guys are difference makers." And he's just drunk out of his mind. I was like, <laughs> I was like I'm just trying to pee, man. Leave me alone. <laughs> I, I do think what was nice about 2019 is it really purged a lot of this. Like it, it changed the kind of. The, how the program felt about itself. You could see it start to change in 2018. We still lost to Bama, but we went to the Fiesta Bowl, and, you know, it was still a really good year. 2019 was just when they beat – actually, when Clyde edwards Lair scored that touchdown in the fourth yeah. quarter. It was oh, just yeah. like yeah. – it, it slayed so many demons because – I mean, LSU had lost nine consecutive times to Alabama. And I know Bama's a good program, but, I mean, in that span, Ole Miss beat them. I mean, we could have thrown in one win. Twice. In- yeah, twice. Back-to-back, back, I think. And, and it was so frustrating because Alabama always brought their best game for us. Like, they would overlook every, every team. But Alabama gives LSU the respect of, you're getting our fastball, which is nice because they have, they have tagged us as their biggest rival. Like, they can say whoever their biggest rival is. It's us because we're the team that they play their best game against. That said, that really sucks because Bam at their best is almost unbeatable. It's good. It's really and, good. And that's All right. So team kind of changed how LSU felt about itself. And I, I think we feel like we're equals again. 2020, no one gives a shit about. So, you know, 2021, let's see what happens. So I have a question that's along the same lines of, of what you were just talking about. Uh, in New Orleans and in Louisiana in general, crawfish boils are a huge deal. If anybody's ever been to a crawfish boil, they're amazing. Crawfish. Uh, crawfish is the main ingredient. We'll call that Alabama. What is the second best ingredient? We'll call that LSU. 
I don't understand what just happened. What? <laughs> I don't get it either, but we're the spice. Because you know, we're what makes things worth living. Crawfish on its own is not that good. No, no. You need all the spice to make crawfish. No. Crawfish is a vehicle to deliver all that, you know, delicious spice. Sure. And that's what LSU is. We're the spice. I like We that bring answer. flavor. All right. Last question, and then we can all head out. But my typical question. Uh, we're down for an LSU game. Give me your top three traditions, places to eat, things to drink, things to eat, whatever it may be. We're in Baton Rouge. What are they? No order. Just first best things you have to you tell visitors you have to do. Either that or like walk through yeah. the day of like yeah. game day morning. We're coming like, out what to are we visit doing? you. Where are you taking us? What are we doing? What do you got, Zach? Uh, I think you have to go to the first Canes. On campus, right? Canes. Yeah, yeah, on campus. Actually, yeah, I, I worked yeah. there for like I worked there for five years. Uh, um, if you're going somewhere, I think you should go to Chimes. Yeah, um, yeah. the food's good. It's not like world changing, but it's an institution. It's right off, right outside the gates of LSU. Um, and also, if you're going to play Florida, you should have some fried gator before the game, anyway. <laughs> um, it, it's kind of the place everyone everyone goes to. It's definitely the bar that's right outside of campus. I would say honestly, your best food option is to wander around campus and just go to tailgates people once again will yell at you they will throw beer at you they will be belligerent but they want you to have their food and drink their alcohol so you'll have a great time you just have to understand that we're really really aggressive but (laughs) for uh um, for like tradition stuff we have a live tiger you gotta visit mike it's a live tiger <laughs> on campus. Like... We're that insane. And, and I, I used to go down to the uh, to Mike's habitat and study and sit on the bench outside and talk to Mike. And I mean, when else are you going to hang out with a tiger? Fair. What did those conversations with Mike look like? <laughs> well, I was pretty drunk most of the time because I was in college, so they were Perfect. pretty one sided. They're like, hey, "Mark." Mike, what's going on? Are you a tiger? Too bad we didn't have that for the trailer, Jeremy. (laughs) You said they were one-sided. I'd be a little more worried if they were two-sided. Yeah, if I was filling mics, if I could do a mic voice. I I don't have a mic voice. He probably sounds like Ed Orgeron. He's probably the Ed Orgeron of Tigers. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking about the games, but they stopped doing that. But yeah, like I think LSU's big thing is just how much campus comes alive for those games, and just how much fans love that place. Um, LSU is—I mean, it's a special place. It, uh, Louisiana is known for corruption and weird things, and not always the best things in the world. But one thing they've gotten right is LSU. It, It's—it really is a great school. It's unique. Yeah. It's got, you know, flavor. It's got personality. And on Saturday Saturday game day, like, our tailgates are better than your tailgates. They just are. I'm, I'm sorry. You're grilling burgers and we're making gumbo. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.